Super Talk Mississippi media production. Coleman Taylor Transmission, servicing Central Mississippi for over 60 years. Their ASE certified technicians offer dependable transmission services, a warranty, and record services. Call Coleman Taylor today for all your transmission needs. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the amazing men and women who are making coastal Mississippi and Mississippi for that matter, such a great place to live, work and play. Hey, we have a great show today. We're going to have Cal Johnson. He's a charter boat captain here in coastal Mississippi, really active in conservation efforts here. And uh, I look forward to having that conversation. In the second half of the show, we're going to be visiting with Tanner Sweatman, who uh, works with uh, the People's Bank. And he's been on the show before. I look forward to visiting with with uh, Tanner to get his view on the economic situation and talk a little bit about the outdoors with him because he loves bringing his kids to the outdoors. Hey, but before we go to Kyle, let me uh, let me share with you something that my friend Stacy Waldrop posted. And this is from Mindful Christianity, and I just think it's perfect. And it's kind of a theme of the last few days, I might add. Uh, here's what it says. Helping one person might not change the whole world, but it could change the world for one person. I think a lot of times that we, you know, we go through our lives and we, uh, we push a little hard and uh, we, uh, you know, maybe we're trying to, trying, to, trying to be too much to too many people when what we really need to do is just focus on the people who are around us and seeing if they have any needs in their life, et cetera. But uh, just, just kind of wise food for thought. So now let's shift gears and move over to my friend, Ca- Captain Kyle Johnson. He's a charter boat captain here on the coast, and he's someone actually I've followed on social media for quite some time. My son Jordan and him met along the way. I think actually y'all even fished together with some, with a mutual friend at some point. But, um, but anyway, it's great to see you on my show, Kyle. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Me and Jordan met the best way possible. That's on an offshore fishing trip. So you really get to know somebody when you're on the water with them for 14 hours. And we've kept in touch ever since. And I took your other son fishing as well um, for a bachelor party. And you you really made it tough because you took him out the day before and absolutely killed it. So the pressure <laughs> was on. <laughs> oh, that's right, Kyle. That's right. I forgot that you you uh, set that up. Yeah, we had uh, – we weren't really weren't planning to go fishing that day. We got up that morning. I think y'all went on a Saturday. They arrived on a Thursday. It might have been Friday morning. If I, if I, I might not have the days right. But we, uh, we loaded up, put all of them in my boat, and we went offshore. And I said, why don't we go see if we can find the schools of redfish? And, of course, you know, the rest is history now. It was you did. You found epic. <laughs> it was an epic day. But we had, we had a great time. Hey, it was interesting, Kyle, for that particular trip, it was different because it wasn't just sight casting. It was uh, what happened is that there, was, there were so many schools of them, they went down, and I could mark them. And what, what I would tell the guys to do is as soon as I started to mark them on, 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 the, uh, on the depth finder, I just said, just don't cast. Just drop straight down and yep. just start jigging. Yep. And, I mean, literally, it was automatic. It was one of those – it's not, you know, it's not often you catch it just literally perfect. And that was I, one of those I actually, things. I actually prefer those over the schools busting on top of the water because, uh, you know, technology is just crazy now. And I have yeah. side scan and you find those slicks and you go through the, you go through them or you go around them and you pick them up on side scan. Same thing, man. I'll use, you know, cobia jigs, big one, two ounce jigs. There's no casting. You don't have to troll. You know, you just drop it straight down. And when you get in front of them, they're going to hit it. And it's, yeah. 
it's fun, yeah. man. It's I, I love those. That's coming very soon. I've actually seen a few schools um, on the north tip of Chandelier on my way out the Chandelier here lately. I've already seen some schools busting. So super early, but I, I'm, I'm hoping that's a good sign. Yeah, usually this time of year we're not thinking about redfish. We're thinking, can we get out to the in the vicinity of the horseshoe rig area and uh, hit the salt down there and catch some yellowfin tuna? Do you ever get a chance to do that? Absolutely. That's uh, that's actually me and Jordan. The first time we met, that's what we were doing with our buddy John McMahon, and uh, we got a great crew together. And and Jordan's part of that, and that's what really. That's what really makes it fun with an offshore trip is having a good crew. Everybody knows what they're going to do. Everybody kind of has their place. And um, we went out there. Unfortunately, that trip was was a little tough. Uh, there's an incident that happened with Jordan that I guess I'm not going to put him on blast, but he's going to know what I'm <laughs> talking about. But uh, but we, we had a really good time. And I'll tell you what, that whole three days at the boat show, that's the only thing I was thinking about was, man, I should be running out to the lumps right now. And <laughs> Had some buddies out there do really good too during that. We had some slick water. They found some yellowfin. Yes, they did. Yeah, good man. I tell you, man. I mean, it's this year, this time of year, you just got to catch it perfect. I caught it perfect three years ago. Didn't have a good window last year. I just just in terms of my schedule, the windows, as you know, you got to get that exact tight window. You don't as as most people people who don't fish this time of year, you don't want to be offshore just after a front goes through or when a front's about to come through because it's brutal but then it settles down and you get a little window and if it all works out you can go this one particular trip that i took we had um there were there were three of us on the boat and we had to go in really thick fog until we got to like horn island and then it was smooth sailing the rest of the day. And by 1130, we had a 155, a 135, and a 145 in the boat and a 90-pound amberjack and literally had no other place to put fish. And we just turned around and came home. Yeah, That's you've a good seen problem that Oh, yeah. Uh, one, of, one of the best trips they had on John's boat, I think, um, you know, of course, I couldn't go. But very similar day, very foggy. And I remember getting a video from John that morning, super, super foggy. But this was before they broke the state record. Um, uh, I think somebody broke it. Was that last year or the year before last? Yeah. Uh, it was like 260 pound. Well, before that, I think the record was like 204 pound yellowfin. Well, um, I get a phone call on the way in. I, I was still in the army at the time uh, working here in Gulfport. And I get a phone call from my buddy, Troy Helwig. He said, hey, man, Call the DMR. I think we got a state record yellowfin. You know, of course, it's the trip I couldn't go on. So I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. And they're like, no, for real, we're passing Horn Island. We got one over 200 pounds. And so I actually called the DMR and had everything set up. And John met them uh, at their facility in the back bay. I think it was just like two pounds short, man. It was almost oh, wow. a state record yellowfin. And of course, you know, it's the one trip I couldn't go on. Right, <laughs> but, right. But, so, uh, so you, you have coastal, coastal water outfitters. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second, but where did your love of the outdoors come from? Uh, you know, just like every other coastal kid, you know, growing up your parents, uh, I, I think a lot of people that grow up here, your, your dad and grandpa are, are, are really involved with it. And that's kind of where it started. And then, um, when I was younger, I, my dad gave me a little 14-foot aluminum skiff and not really gave it to me, but, you know, it was kind of mine. He didn't really use it. 
but uh, fish the back bays a lot, and uh, that's what me and your son Jordan talk about a lot because I, I fished the back bay a lot since I was a kid, and you know it's changed so much. But um, just started that way, um, you know, with inshore, and then um, just got lucky. Um, my dad uh, met a guy that moved down here from the East Coast, and he was looking to learn inshore fishing, and he had no clue. But a super, super proficient uh, bluefin fisherman over anything offshore, really. And um, he ended up buying a boat that he kept in Cypress Cove and him and my dad. And my dad taught him the inshore game, trout and reds and all of that. And uh, he kind of taught us everything about offshore, even though he really didn't know Venice well. I mean, he just came down there and picked it up real quick. And he taught us a lot of tricks and everything like that. And then, um, you know, Got of age, get my own bay boat and everything, started just hammering the islands. And I just kind of feel like I've been slowly working out further south. I honestly haven't been fishing Chandelier that long. I've only been fishing Chandelier for about three years now. Um, first two years was really just kind of going on trips here and there with buddies. And then um, once I got that 28 foot Blue Wave Makaira, you know, now I'm going out there as much as possible. And kind of breaking into that market with my uh, guide service as chandelier day trips, kind of leaving in the morning, getting back at, at sunset and uh, just kind of catering to a different group of guys that really want to kind of have their hand held out there. To, to be honest with you, uh, I explain everything, why we're where we are, what the fish are doing, what they've been biting. And uh, honestly, man, it's been working really well and my clients have been doing really good and uh, I couldn't be happier. Well, how do you, how do you maintain your enthusiasm for what you do because it can be a grind can it <laughs> yeah um i don't think a lot of people understand i left a very very secure very well paying job to do this and it was an absolute lifestyle change but it was it was something that i needed uh for me personally mentally to be honest with you um i just kind of felt like i was stuck in the rat race and I was just at a point to, to take a leap, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 35 now. And, um, you know, this was a couple of years ago that I was looking at this. I said, you know, I'm at a place financially <laughs> that I can make a mistake and still recover. So, you know, let's at least, you know, take that leap. But honestly, man, it, it, it's just, I know this word gets used a lot, especially in the fishing industry, but I just truly am, insanely passionate about it dude this is what i do you know if i wasn't here talking to you right now i, I don't have a trip so guess what i'd be doing i'd be fishing right now if i wasn't talking to you <laughs> i still <laughs> might go after this to be honest with you <laughs> but you, you, you do you do sound like jordan and uh, i mean all my kids have it in their blood but jordan you know we've we actually call him the fish whisperer he just he has a a knack about him and you know the fact that we live on the on the bay he can come and grab a boat and go anytime he wants to and and it's it's really the way that he gets his sanity hey when we come back we're going to continue our conversation with captain cal johnson who's a charter boat captain here in coastal mississippi he has a company called coastal waters outfitters we'll see you after this break Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend Captain Cal Johnson. He's a charter boat captain here in coastal Mississippi. He has a company called Coastal Waters Outfitters. And just somebody I, I admire has been following for a long time. He's good friends with my son, Jordan. But uh, one of the things I said on my show um, Monday, my outdoor show, Super Talk Outdoors, was that Mississippi is – Obviously, I say this all the time, is the capital of the outdoors in the United States. When you add it all up, you know, whether it's deer hunting or turkey hunting or canoeing or whatever it is, what we have access to offshore and backwaters is unlike any other state in the nation when you put them all together into one little bundle. But but what I said about the backwater fishing coast of Mississippi is that it's really dependent upon the salinity levels. And, you know, we it was Kyle, it was getting perfect. And then we had that deluge of rain that came, and it just kind of messed up the salinities, and the bites are few and far between. It, it will get right again. But last summer, it was it was epic, the amount of rain that we had and the way that it inf- impacted the backwaters. And there may be some res- residual impact of that, do you think? I think so. I, I think it's uh, a lot of that and then um, – I'm a big proponent when I when it comes to targeting fish and why fish stay somewhere. Uh, their fish aren't like us; they can't just go to a fast food station and a uh, uh, restaurant and grab something to eat. You know, they're they're gonna be where the food is, and I think that that's kind of a two parter. You know, it's a little bit of the salinity messing it up. And then maybe because of that, uh, maybe that's why there's not as much bait back in there. But um, I did not see a big influx in shrimp this fall uh, because I, I, I've run out of Point Cadet Marina, which is right at the mouth of the Biloxi Bay. And so every trip I leave out of right there. And sometimes I get super lucky during the fall and I don't even have I'm on the I'm on the big motor for like one second. Then we're in the trolling motor just kind of chasing the schools of trout in there. And that honestly only happened like twice this fall, whereas I was kind of looking forward to it um, as from years past. But I just don't think there's a lot of bait back there. And then the um, talking with the research lab a lot. Uh, I do a lot of work with them. Uh, Jim Franks, Pat Graham, Angelos, uh, really great guys. And uh, I'm really fortunate to to call them friends and be able to call them and talk on the phone with them hours at a time. But it's really the salinity changing so much is what ruins things. If it would just stay low or just stay high, things will level out and everything would be okay. But it's it's really the the the, the so high up and so I mean. The salinity was nothing a week ago. It's 17 right now. That's a huge change, and I think that that has a lot to do with it as well. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Hopefully this summer will be more normal. <laughs> I hope so. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm praying for low winds and low rain because last summer was insane on both. Yeah, it was, It really was. I mean, look, we had – I mean, I hate to admit this, but we had – Maybe I mean I'm talking about really offshore. I'm talking about deep deep water. We had only two big time offshore trips, and we had the the redfish trips that we, I mentioned and stuff like that. We had great Horn Island trips for specs and stuff like that. But uh, the offshore, I mean, usually at least every other weekend, and sometimes every single weekend, we're we're headed offshore, and that didn't happen last year. No. Yeah. I like uh, I like snapper trips. I like um, you know I got my regular clients that I like to take for them, especially. And um, 
I only book a certain amount just because I like other, I like doing other, I like chasing triple tail and things like that more yeah. to be honest. But, um, I booked 25 snapper trips last year, just kind of capped it off at that. And even with my bigger boat, <laughs> having a 28 foot center console, I was only able to run nine due to weather. That's how windy it was. Wow. I mean, there That's, was that- two trips where we actually turned around and I was like, yeah, this is not worth it, guys. <laughs> we we came around the south end of Horn because, you know, sometimes you come around the south end and it's not as bad as you would think. But uh, that day, it was the complete opposite. It was way worse than I thought. The, it was. the way we talk about it, when we go, and I'm sure you do the same thing, we're loaded to bear. We're ready for anything that we mm-hmm. might face. And, we'll, and we say we're going to take what it gives us. We never know if there might be a little pocket of blue water that somehow works its way in and mm-hmm. we get lucky. Like w- one day, we came up on a little pocket on our way somewhere else. And hooked a gigantic yellowfin. I caught a wahoo. We caught several dolphin. It was just so much fun, man. I, we could have literally sat there the rest of the day. It was just this beautiful pocket of cobalt blue water that was in 200 feet of water, and it was just epic. But that's the beauty of what we what we have access to. We have the ability to come across. I mean, a weed line. If Jordan mm-hmm. says. Dad, why, when we're catching fish at a wee line, do we always leave? Well, because we were headed somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. he said, we just need someday. We just need to stay at the weed line and yep. just fish it. <laughs> it's offshore so- trips. You, you get that plane in your head and you're just content with it. I, I'm, <laughs> we've done it a bunch of times as well. And, and sat back and been like, we could have stayed on that weed line. Some cobia could have swam up some wahoo, you know, you never know, but, uh, yeah. I, you know. and you can come across them in shallower water. I'm saying, you know, 150 feet of water, 200 feet of water. And it's amazing what you have access to in a situation like that. Hey, listen, Kyle, I'm going to have you back and we're going to talk a lot more about fishing stories and whatever, but I want to focus for just a second about your conservation efforts. Why is that? I mean, obviously it's your living, but it's more than that. So tell me more about why you're so focused on conservation. Um, it, it just, I look at things, uh, just more than fishing things in life as well. Uh, I'll look long-term, you know, I really, uh, I plan things out. I'm pretty strategic and I look at things for the long term. And, uh, when you start getting better at fishing and, and you start, you know, having those trips where you're bringing home a lot of fish all the time, um, you really start to put things into perspective. Like, do I really need this much fish? And, um, I got to that point, uh, a while back and it's not like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I've been like this my whole life. I was, a, I was the best meat hauler next to anybody else. You know, I used to, I wasn't satisfied unless I came home with a limit, you know, it was all about limits and things like that. But the more I got involved with the fishing industry and I've been super lucky, don't get me wrong. Um, the connections I've made, uh, is a luck has a lot to do with it. Uh, just like fishing. Uh, I've been super lucky and I'm able to, uh, talk to very influential people in the industry. And when people at the top of the game are, are really looking at the conservation side of things and they're pushing that it, it starts to get you to wonder, but, Something I would like you to think about and other people to think about, and uh, this this mainly is is to inshore fishing, but find me somebody in their, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s that's going to tell you that inshore fishing is better than it's ever been because you're never going to find anybody that's going to say that. And, and that should be something that kind of worries you, you know, in a sense, not to scare everybody, but uh, things are definitely not getting better 
and the amount of pressure and the technology and, and people fishing access to things, um, the fish just don't really stand a chance anymore. And I would just like for the fishery to be able to be sustained for the future. And I, I would rather be ahead of it than, than trying to fix it on the back end, to be honest with you. Yeah. I love the way, I love the way you talk about it. I really do. And, and it's, uh, it's, you know, I, I say whether you're talking focused on conservation of the resource that you're interested in or whether you're giving back to the community in some other way, what we're really talking about is building resiliency into our community. Where, whereas you can take, have, some folks go out and pound the fishing, but that the stock is resilient and can bounce back and it, and it would be, it'd be great 10 years from now or 20 years from now, just like it is today. You know, we, when you start talking about that, it reminds me of tarpon. You know, the, you hear all these stories about how tarpon used to be all over the place in back Bay at one point. Mm-hmm. And you see all these pictures and Jordan, Jordan hooked one and caught a little baby one and maybe caught a couple of baby ones. But, um, but you just don't hear tarpon ever anymore. I think it has to do with the environmental conditions of, of the bay com- compared to where they were many, many years ago. Um, but uh, but it's good to hear you focused on the future. I mean, you have to be. And yeah. you have the, the intellectual capacity to be able to do that. And you've got a team of people around you, both charter boat captains and others that are interested in the in in um, in the, the the overall health of the situation, and you got a lot of you know governmental organizations like within the DMR that are interested, and it makes for the opportunity at least to be successful in the future, doesn't it? It does. Uh, it definitely comes with some negatives. I can promise you that. <laughs> I catch yeah. a lot of slack from from people. Um, I, I really don't listen to any of that. Um, I'm. I'm more, I take a scientific approach to fishing. My dad is a very well-respected veterinarian. Well, I guess he's technically retired now, but that's how I approach fishing was from a scientific standpoint. And, and when you start looking at it and looking at the numbers and just based on what we've seen, you know, through the years, and I'm sure you, you can see this too, uh, with the, in, especially the inshore fishing is, uh, man, it's just, it's just really taken a hit, but I, um, I appreciate the kind words, man. It's good to, to, to hear something nice about it because I think I hear more negative than anything, but I, I, I just, I'm really big proponent for anything conservation, anything and uh, for the community, the Gulf coast. I love the Gulf coast. I think everybody knows that. I think we have a super underrated fishery and place in general. So it's an amazing place to live. Well, Kyle, I'll definitely have you back and we'll continue these conversations. I really enjoy getting to know you better. Uh, this has been Captain Cal Johnson. He's a charter boat captain, so look him up, Coastal Water Outfitters. You see his enthusiasm for what he's doing. And uh, I know from following, I know from listening to Jordan that he pays a lot of attention to where the opportunities are to catch fish, and he does a great job with that. But, Will, this will be the first of many conversations, Cal. It's been a pleasure, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You bet. When we, uh, we'll be back after this break. See you in just a second. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. A Supertalk Mississippi media production.